Well, good evening. As we gather to, uh, to celebrate Christmas this year, we rightly pause and we celebrate the miracle of Christ's birth. As we think about the greatest gift that was ever given, we usually start with Gabriel's visit to Mary to let her know that she had found favor with God and through the Holy Spirit would give birth to the Savior of the world. We talk about the shepherds and the wise men, the trip to Bethlehem and Jesus' birth in a manger because there was no room in the inn. It is certainly good and right for us to pause and remember that the promises of God do and will be fulfilled. We have done this over these last few weeks as we have looked at faith through the eyes of the shepherds and hope through the eyes of the Magi. On this eve of Christmas, we want to take a look at the third and most important ingredient of God's Christmas story, love. A love expressed not only in the virgin birth of the Messiah, but a love demonstrated through all of eternity, past, present, and future. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again that we can come this evening on the eve of our celebration of your birth, that we can sing of who you are, that we can lift your name on high, that we can be reminded of your promises and of your life given for us. And so, Father, I just ask that everything that occurs this evening would be led by you, Holy Spirit, not by me, not by any of us. I ask that you would give me the words to speak. I ask that you would fill me afresh. And I ask, Father, that you would give us all ears to hear from you. And so, Lord, we dedicate this time as you've dedicated your life to us. And so we just thank you and we praise you. We look forward to what you are going to do. For you are the only one who can accomplish your will in us. And so do that this evening. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have all sorts of uh, great church words for love. You know what I mean, church quotes and sayings, quips that we toss out that sound good and meaningful, but very often they leave us dissatisfied with an understanding of what love actually is. We'll say God loves you and Jesus is love. In order to go deeper, we sometimes turn to 1 Corinthians and we start to rattle off the attributes of love. Love is patient, love is kind. When that doesn't seem to satisfy us, we break out the Greek and we start to talk about eros and storge, philia and agape. And yet, even after all of that, we are often left a bit confused. I think we all want to know what God's love is. And yet, the best that we can manage is the Oxford Dictionary's definition of an intense feeling of deep affection or a great interest and pleasure in something. What we are left with is our own experiences, and in the end, we define love by how we feel. The problem with defining love mainly as a feeling is that feelings are fickle. C.S. Lewis wrote in The Four Loves, To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. 
the consequences of understanding love through our own feelings and experiences is tremendous. Avoiding or running at the first painful feeling that love brings leaves us to live as victims, makes us sour, afraid, resentful, and ultimately leaves us alone. We see this in the world all around us, but this isn't God's definition of love, not by a long shot. In biblical terms, love is a demonstration of concern and sacrificial action for somebody else. Biblical love is not primarily an emotion. Do you feel love and express love emotionally? Absolutely, we do. But true biblical love isn't about our feelings. It's about emulating how God demonstrated his love for us so that we can love others as God has loved us. Love is truly one of the driving ideals in the Bible, and it's reflected in its prominent use in all of Scripture But the subjects of God's love are more important, and I want to demonstrate this. In the ESV translation of the Bible, the word love love appears 684 times. That seems like a lot, and it is. Yet, it may surprise you that love as a word doesn't even make the top 100 most commonly used terms. Lord appears over 7,000 times. God is mentioned approximately 4,300 times. The words man, Israel, and people are mentioned about 2,500 times each. An examination of the, first, the, the, the five most common words show that they reflect that the primary subjects of the Bible, the main characters, if you will, in literary terms, God, the Lord of everything, and his relationship with mankind beginning with the nation of Israel, are the focus of the entire Bible. Love is God's demonstration of concern and sacrificial action for the cause of his creation. We see this most clearly, perhaps, in the most famous scripture in the New Testament, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This verse, above almost any other, shares God's love for his creation. We know this verse. We love this verse. We have memorized this verse. We place it on signs and we recite it often. It is effectively the whole gospel distilled down into a single verse. As such, we often say the words without really digging in deeper. I want us to think about this verse, what this verse is actually saying. I want to think about for a moment, what does the word gave actually mean? It's easy for us to think about a cute little precious baby lying in a manger. But gave isn't just about a cute baby or a little boy or the man who grew up preaching and teaching and offering healing and performing miracles. Gave here refers to the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. The love of God that promised us Christ isn't a feeling, but a commitment. Several years ago, I shared a story that Frank had shared many years ago to illustrate an understanding of what gave in this context really means. The story of a a 
global worldwide pandemic, something that we can certainly understand, especially as we've gone through it over the last several years. In this situation, people are dying by the millions. Everybody is infected, and it has a 100% rate of death for everybody who's infected. The scientists and the doctors are trying desperately to figure out how is it that we can figure out what's happening? How can we stop this global pandemic. They recognized that the problem was in people's blood. And after some time and more testing, they realized that they could create a vaccine. There would be a cure that they would be able to create if they could only find the right blood type. Somebody with all of the right attributes in their blood to synthesize the cure for everybody in the world. And so scientists, hospitals, doctors all over the place started to gather people together. And people were lining up to have their blood tested so that they could be evaluated to see whether, in fact, their blood was what was necessary to synthesize this cure. And so this man this young boy whose wife and other child had died already of this terrible disease, lined up with thousands of others at a hospital. And one by one, the people were going into this hospital, and a little sample of their blood was being taken, and it was run to see whether, in fact, the blood was compatible with what it was that they needed to synthesize the the cure And hour upon hour, this man and his young son got closer and closer in this line until it was their turn to enter into the hospital. And with a small pinprick, the blood was taken and analyzed. And they waited just a few moments. And they saw some scurrying that was going around them as doctors and nurses and others were quickly talking to one another and picking up phones and trying to figure out what to do. And one doctor came over to the father and the son and said, you're a match. You're a match for the blood type that we need. And the father said, okay, I'll go with you. And they said, no, not you, your son. And so the father and the son were ushered in to this special clean room and all these doctors and nurses came in and they started hooking up the little boy to all of these machines. Needles were placed in his arms and blood started to flow from his veins. And the father was standing with his son imagining how can this be? that God has something planned in this moment. And the boy, as he's lying on that table with his blood running out into the machines, looks to the doctors and says, how much of my blood do you need to take? 
the room fell silent. Everybody stopped and all you could hear was the whir of the machines as blood was coming out of this little boy's arms. And finally, a doctor came up and said, I'm sorry, we need it all. The father runs over to his son's side and says, what do you mean? If you take all of his blood, then he will die. The doctors looked and the nurses were there with tears in their eyes and they said, we know. I'm sorry. The father said, there must be another way. I'm sorry, sir, there isn't. And the son looks up to his father and he says, it's okay. This is what God wants me to do. We think about Jesus coming as a little baby. He was given to us and to the world that his blood would be what was necessary, all of it. All of it was necessary. And so when we think about John 3.16, we think about what God was willing, the Father was willing to do in giving his Son for us. This story reflects the nature of God's love for his creation, that he would give his son first as a gift on Christmas and then as a sacrifice on the cross just for you and me. But the truth is that this story started well before that first Christmas. God's love story began before time and it continues on into eternity. And we see this very clearly in John 1, 1 through 5, and continuing in 12 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This shares God's eternal perspective on love, an eternal plan through all of time. In the beginning, through creation. Creation through the fall. The fall through Noah. Noah through Abraham. Abraham through Moses. Moses through the prophets. The prophets through Christ's birth. His birth through his death. His death through the grave. 
the grave through the resurrection, the resurrection through the ascension, the ascension through his return, and his return through all of eternity. And the thread of holding all of this together is his love. It is God's perfect love embodied in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the expression of this love from which creation bursts forth. It is from this love that man, man and woman were formed in a special act of creation in the very image of God. And it is out of this love that placed Adam and Eve in the garden to return God's love with their act of love, obedience. In their failure, God's love didn't waver, but was manifest in the promise of the Messiah to rescue us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and ultimately the presence of sin. God expressed his love through his people Israel time and time again. We see this not only in their times of obedience and national prosperity, but more often in their times of disobedience and rebellion to God's commands. That resulted in captivity, defeat, and death. Yet God's love isn't, is known in his promises because God is a promise keeper. And when we read that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, we have to recognize that was not just an act of love of the Father, but it, was in a, but it demonstrates the love of Jesus that he was willing in submission and obedience to the Father to pierce eternity, to become the Word made flesh. It means to become incarnate, actually taking on human flesh to live amongst us, to suffer and to die, taking on the sin of the world on our behalf. Remember that Jesus himself said that he only does what he sees the Father doing and he only says what he hears the Father saying. Think about this, this act of sacrificial love for just a moment. The Word of God through whom and for all things were made in perfect harmonious relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit submits himself to become flesh to come and live and to die in order to bridge the gap in our broken relationship with God that our sin has caused. This act of love was not an emotional decision. It didn't feel good. Jesus would have experienced all that we experience, hunger, thirst, temptation, sadness, and I am certain the pain of stubbing his toes and the occasional gas and bloating. He did this not because he felt love, but because he is love. Love drove him to walk with Adam and Eve of the cold cool of the day. Love drove him to offer the first sacrifice and clothe them as he protected them in removing them from the garden. And love promised a way back to be reconciled with the Father. Love called to Abraham, spoke to Moses, and went before his people into the promised land. Love joined Daniel in the lion's den, and it danced in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Love spoke to the prophets and promised the Messiah. Love called a young, faithful virgin 
to carry a baby conceived of the Holy Spirit and to call Him Jesus. Love brought the heavenly host to proclaim the good news and love exploded out of heaven, out of the universe as the heavens spoke of a newborn king. Love raised a child to a man who would be found in his father's house proclaiming the truth and inviting the sick to find healing and the blind to see the lame to walk, and the possessed to find freedom, the broken to be made well, and the heavy burden to find rest, the thirsty to find quenching, and the hungry to be satisfied, the lost to be found, and the anxious to find peace. Love brought a Savior for the sinner and a Lord for his children. This is the love of God that we celebrate on Christmas. And truly, we should celebrate it every single day of the year. So I just want to encourage you that your Christmas would be full of the faith of the shepherds to see, hear, go, and do what God is calling you to do. May you have the hope of the wise men to seek, remember, listen, see, and believe God's promises for His children. And may you love as God has loved you, demonstrated in His continuing to pour Himself out for you, showing you that He will never leave or forsake you, and you can trust Him, not because it feels good, but because He is good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You that, Lord, You are love. Lord, I think about faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Because your love was demonstrated and poured out upon your creation in the very act of creation. And yet, that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for you. You continue to pour yourself out for the cause of your creation. And so, Father God, let us Just celebrate who you are. Let us experience and understand that sometimes we may not feel love, but that doesn't change that you are love. And so, Lord, let us exceedingly understand that, experience that, be a part of that, Lord, that we would go and love others as you have loved us. Selflessly, coming and serving. Sacrificially giving up your place to join us here to show us the way. To be that sacrifice on the cross, paying for the penalty of our sin that all who call upon your name, Lord Jesus You are the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through you. And so, Father, I ask that if there's anybody here this evening who has not surrendered their lives to you, I ask, Father, that right now your word would speak truth to them. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring that truth to their heart. That even this day, this day they could surrender to you. This is the day of salvation. And all of heaven would cry out and rejoice 
because that is your heart. That is your desire. That is why you love us. That we would return that love with our faith. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.